0: I like movies for more than just its entertainment value. I find more and more just using it as an intellectual stepping off point as it'll lead me into greater thought about life and everything out there. And more and more as I've just been becoming more and more a father, not like I'm getting more kids, but my kids are growing up more. And so I've, I've really settled more into the role of dad more than ever. And so when I watch movies with my kids, like I did just two days ago, uh, I watch with a remote in my hand and I'm not trying to pause it every other moment, but I am doing some pause and just some key points in the movie and I'll stop it and I'll ask my kids questions. Some of them just be like cartoon movies. I'm like, hey, boys, what is this movie about? What is it? Re- what's really going on here? So, for instance, one such movie was the movie Hoosiers, and it's about uh, Gene Hackman, who played the villain in Superman. You remember him? <laughs> yes. Cor- he was a great <laughs> Lex Luthor, by the way. <laughs> He is a coach who has been in college ball. He took an exodus for a long time. Then he gets into high school ball and he's rejected by this town and he's coaching a basketball to ultimately go through and win a state championship, which was unthinkable for them. And so I'm asking my boys kind of as the movie has just wrapped up or is about to, I'm like, boys, what is this movie about? Because the temptation is to be like, oh, about kids who win a basketball tournament. And really it's not. It's really a movie about second chances. That's what it's about. It's about second chances. It's about moral courage uh, being greater than that of chasing an accolade. And so what the movie pretends to be about isn't necessarily what the movie is about. And sometimes it's just not incredibly obvious as we're interpreting a movie in front of us, or we're really interpreting what our lives are really about. You could see what you do from nine to five and year over year, and you see a lot of the obvious things But what is really the anthem of your life and what are you really supposed to extract from that? What are the moral nuggets? What are the big things that ultimately mattered? If you were narrating a movie of your own life, what would you say the obvious plot was, but then the deeper, more important plot? Maybe your story would be a success story. Maybe it would be a failure now, the story that we just watched was a movie, old movie from, I think, the 1980s. It's called The Mission. Have you seen this? I have not seen that movie. It was with Robert De Niro. You've never seen Robert De Niro look so young. and I can't uh, even imagine a young-looking Robert De Niro, actually. That doesn't exist. That's, that's incredible. And so he's a slave trader in South America. He is trying to capture Indians, bring them into slavery. And at the same time, there's this Jesuit order, some priests that are going down and they're doing something completely different. They're hiking up waterfalls and treacherous stuff, uh breaking brush through Amazon to be able to get to these tribes and give them the gospel. They've already lost one priest to martyrdom as they tied him to a cross, sent him down river and killed him. And then the next priest, I'm like, well, I'm going to go try too, which is nuts that some of these missionaries love people enough to be able to do that. And so you saw the yes. worst of humanity, slave traders, and then the best of humanity, risking life to give a message, which you know, it's probably your own death sentence to work to get to him, and then you get murdered for him. And so he's going up to do that. And so it ends up coming to this really neat sequence where there's a bit of a face off and I don't want to give away too much of the move. No, I'll go ahead and give away. You've had... 50 years <laughs> to watch this film so alerts! spoil you know what let the, here prepare yourself for the spoiler alert though you've been slacking off for 50 years uh we'll play our title package and get into it here we go <laughs> plug today, guys, is the Warrior Poet Rifle. You've asked for years to have it. Finally, we've got it, and it was with Daniel Defense. I have, my very first premium rifle was a Daniel Defense gun. I have loved Daniel Defense guns for ages. I love them, love them, love them. And finally, they have a new CEO, who I think is a good man and a patriot. And so I'm like, rock on, we'll do this. We built a package for you folks. So if you look at the package, I'll put it up on screen. You'd be like, holy cow, that's a lot of savings. I was sensitive to the fact that this is really crummy economic times and so for you buy once cry once guys who recognize ah you're going to probably add a bunch of all these other things on later uh and it'll end up being more now you can find sales on different parts and stuff but generally speaking you come out ahead if you do the package thing for those of you who like it i think it's really cool this is my baby it's the warrior poet gun that's enough of a shameless plug let's get into uh today's subject so mendoza was a hired mercenary a slave trader Consummate warrior. He was emotionless. He was a hardcore, dangerous dude. No nonsense, no sympathy, no empathy. And so that's what his character was. And he ended up getting in a lover's quarrel. Uh, his brother had kind of stolen the affections of a girl he liked. They end up in this public duel, and he kills his brother, and now he wants penance. He doesn't believe there's anything he could ever do to atone for his own crimes, and so a priest visits him and says, hey, why didn't you try something out? And then they go apart this real ascetic kind of pay for your crimes by suffering of the body, which is really uh i I don't like that that doesn't work but anyway this is the story it's not a it's not a story of what i like or what i think is best this is just the story as it happened and supposedly this movie the mission was based on a real life event and personages so this is a true story i don't know what creative liberties were uh, made in this but regardless mendoza follows this priest to go participate in a mission to indians that he was formerly working to enslave and so they knew him as somebody who had killed them and enslave them, and that becomes really important. But part of his penance is, is he's going to get this massive, like, bundle of armor and swords and just—I don't know. It looks like he's just moving around with a landfill tied behind him. And he's breaking brush in the Amazon, and he's scaling up cliffs and mountains. Very dangerous, very treacherous. And you see as his journey, it's just miserable. Even the other priests want to lighten his burden and be like, this is insanity. You're, you're going to kill yourself doing this. He finally gets up to the very Indians that he was enslaving. They recognize him. They see him all just muddied and beat up and exhausted. And they run up with a knife as if to slay him because they recognize him. And instead they relent, cut the burden off of him, pushes it off a cliff. And he just breaks down and weeps because he had been forgiven, uh, even when he couldn't forgive himself. And this is where he had his uh, moment where he met the forgiveness of Jesus and so he would convert to Christianity there and he'd become a Jesuit priest, which is that's wild. That's a, a, a really very Pauline. it's theres an yeah. ancient guy a couple thousand years ago, Saul who hunted down Christians and killed him until one day he had a dramatic conversion as well and then he became one of them. So same kind of story. And carrying the burden was very reminiscent of John Bunyan's famous work in the 1500s, Pilgrim's Progress, carrying his burden. And so anyway, real kind of cool stuff that happened there in the 1700s. This this story, the historical events happened in the 1700s. And so what should have been his execution ended up being his rebirth from certain death. And so Pretty cool. Now, he becomes a priest, and for a while that goes well, until politics come over of there's uh, power and land struggles between the Portuguese and the Spanish government, and then there's the South American tribes that have been ministered to by the Jesuit priests, and they've been lifted up out of the darkness of savagery, as these Native Americans are practicing the same stuff that the white man is is called of like, hey, you brought in slave labor. I'm like, no, these folks were enslaving each other for presumably millennia before. They were murdering each other. They were lawless. They were chaotic. They were child sacrifice. They were doing all the same stuff that other people across the ocean were doing. Uh, But anyway, the white men came in. They preached gospel. Some of them had this lust for power and this lust for money. And then they did awful slavery things. And others you saw with the Jesuits in this case, they built them up structures and they taught them how to be self-sufficient and they brought them a moral code and giving them Bible and many converted and their lives became wildly better, really, really good. And they became a peaceful and loving people over the years of this very successful mission happening in South America. However, because of politics happening across oceans and without belaboring the point because i want to kind of get to this stuff uh faster there was a struggle over what would happen to this mission would it fall into portuguese hand in which case all the indians needed to get out of this mission uh and abandon the mission which had become their home for years now politics come in and without getting too belabored down into the details the Indians are going to have to move out of this mission. They left the jungles. They've moved into this mission that was sponsored there, and they've built a life. They've built homes there, and now they're being ejected from that mission. And some of the forces that be is, well, if if some of the politics lay out one way, slavery becomes a legalized thing, and they're all going to become human slaves, or they're left alone but if that happens there's going to be a fracturing within the church and the Jesuit order will probably become extinct in which case awful stuff around the world is going to be happening as repercussions for that and other missions all over the place close as well it's just a classic crappy situation no matter what you do it's bad it's just a matter do you want bad locally or globally or it's just tough it's tough the more you know you're more you realize of like there is no great solution than that so the movie comes to this ultimate climax. The natives are told to get out of the mission, and if they stay, this foreign government's going to come in and forcibly eject them. The Indians are saying, hey, we're not going anywhere. And half of them say, we're going to stay and fight. And the others say, we're not leaving, but we're not going to fight. Mm. And so you see a fracturing of the missionaries to that area. Mm. Some of the priests, the monks, Uh, they're saying, no, this is wrong, we're going to stay and defend, and they pick up arms and start training them and building up defenses so that they're going to fight it out. And then there's another monk, Father Gabriel, who doesn't believe that that's the route they should go. And instead, it's more of a peaceful protest. And so it all amounts to this foreign army coming up. And so you have half the Indians wanting to do warfare, and the other half are just going to have a worship service. They're going to march out peacefully protesting. They hold a cross. And anyway, the army comes. Now, Robert De Niro chooses, quite obviously, to follow back into his mercenary days. And he's leading this charge. And Father Gabriel is just holding the cross. The final conclusion of the movie shows that the army coming through, they mow down the resistance and they also mow down the peaceful protesters, those who are just singing songs unarmed, walking forward to the army as they are just cut down to ribbons. That's hard, dude. Yep.
1: That is not the end. That is not the end. I wanted you to yeah, say it, it, there. It,
0: this is, it, I think, just good history. It doesn't wrap it all oh. up in a pretty bow the way you want it to. A lot of it is... is, is. History is marching forward, moment at a time, right now, and we don't get this pretty tied-up bow of, and this is what it all meant, and this is why it was worth it, and this is how it all came out, just how you wanted it to do. A lot of times, just like our own lives, we are left to figure out uh, the good or the bad, uh, the beautiful and the ugly all to ourselves. It doesn't come with commentary except for the commentary on our lives that we ourselves provide. At least that's how we see it when we're all in it. And similarly, with this movie, my boys were quite befuddled as they were watching this. By the way, this movie held a PG rating, and we had to tell our boys to close their eyes many different times. So though it is a PG, it's 1980s PG, which could be rated R. You know, I have no idea. Yeah. And so there was definitely some stuff that was way not PG appropriate for these kids. And so... They're doing that. That was highly annoying. So it's just if you choose to go out and see the movie, I'm not encouraging any of you to do it. I'm not saying of like really my commentary right here of like you could go your whole life without seeing that movie and it might be just fine. So as the movie was wrapping up, you saw a few Indian kids uh, get in a canoe and they just paddle upstream back into the jungle. All the adults dead. So very uh, few amount even survived. And you're just left thinking like, well, what, what's the point in all that? And then you saw Robert De Niro's figure. He goes by Mendoza. He yeah. is just riddled up with bullets and he's dying. And as he's dying through the smoke and the chaos of warfare, he sees father Gabriel marching with the cross and a bunch of Indians who are just getting shot up and they keep advancing forward peacefully, uh, toward the Portuguese, um, Uh, soldiers that are killing them. Uh, Finally, Gabriel is shot. Mendoza sees that. They both die. Another Indian picks up the cross and keeps marching forward, and they're all just murdered. And you feel like, well, whether you fight it out or whether you peacefully protest and you don't, whether you go the soldier's death or you go the straight-up martyr's death, either way, you end up dead. So so what do you do? And what's the better thing to do? like, Yikes! Oh, well what, yeah. what would you do Benjamin i mean i um are you joining Men- team mendoza or team gabriel i th- I think that that that
1: that my my gut says that I, I I want to be someone that stands in the gap between somebody's insanity and innocence, and so if that meant picking up arms to do so, I think that that would be a valuable thing but then I also ask myself what in that situation brings the greatest glory to to the Lord yeah. and and then Father Gabriel's example kind of seems to rise above. Yeah. And so you you ask a very difficult question, sir.
0: <laughs> yeah, and because that was a good discussion point for me and my boys of like, this was, this was a little bit hard for me to untangle. And I explained to the boys, I'm like, all right, so you saw the Indians as they were. You saw missionaries come to them. In this case, the first missionary was sent to him, was murdered by the Indians. The second missionary saw good success. The Indians start to convert, and life gets really, really sweet and wonderful. By all metrics, that was a really, really good thing for them. And so you saw some of the beauty that the kingdom of God can bring—peace and unity and love and forgiveness and Mm selflessness— And uh, good labor with your own hands, that's really good stuff. A moral code in which to live by, you saw the best that mankind can bring, the kingdom of God advancing through humans. And then you also saw simultaneously in the same place, and that's why this, this history is so interesting, you saw man's power lust. In wealth lust as well, that was just interplaying right beside it. You saw uh, even in this time period and before some of the conquistadors, and you saw them just wreaking havoc Mm -hmm. and looking for gold and land and subjugating natives, whatever they were doing. But then you also saw guys like Bartholomew de las Casas, of like, holy cow, these amazing dudes who were arguing against some of the crimes against humanity that saw they, uh, that. Uh, some of the other conquistadors were engaging of. So, and so it was really a mixed bag. You can't just look back uh, and historically label everyone as just the worst or the best. It really is. It's just uh, everyone is just their own unique person. And some of that is a mixed bag of really good and really bad or really bad and, and some good. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's just not so straightforward. Whenever you find somebody looking back, into a historical period and saying and everyone was bad and we in our day are better and good and we wouldn't have done that c.s lewis calls it historical snobbery chronological snobbery Mm -hmm. and i think we have to really beware that kind of trap you saw indians killing white men white men killing indians you saw both sides engaging in terrible crimes against humanity and the indians were ripping each other to shreds long before we even got here uh which was uh, Aztecs and the Incas you have like in the Aztecs you had little pyramids of bones uh, that were built on the sacrifices as the Aztecs would go against go to war against other tribes take them captive and sacrifice their children every morning so that the sun god would bring up the sun each morning like that That's awful. That's terrible. And then they got all diseases, which is what really wiped out a lot of the tribes in the first place. And I'm going on this because there's so much historical revisionism that happens in our schools and also in some of our movies. When I watched the cartoon movie Pocahontas, I had some really big problems with it because much of it didn't come even close to representing the actual history. Mm -hmm. And then it did it with such an agenda, such an anti- american agenda that it just wasn't fair mm-hmm. of like no no, no ch- true to form sometimes the indians were wiping out entire uh, you know yeah. settlements like the lost town of jamestown you have like what happened i'm like you know exactly what happened yeah. some indians came through and just wiped every man woman and child off the map carried them off gone did i say james the lost yeah. uh, town of roanoke that it
1: yeah uh, i don't know roanoke but i i think you're right to correct course correct on that name because jamestown is the original settlement yeah yeah, but there
0: was there was some other stuff even before those settlements because roanoke became a place too uh i forget either way my history is a bit foggy on that uh Mm -hmm. specific point but um regardless sometimes indians were doing terrible things and we're doing terrible things and so it, it as soon as you're like trying to prop one identity group up by completely denigrating all of the other identity group uh, to being all bad all the time, uh, now you're playing historical revisionistic games with political aims of a current Marxism. That's what's happening. It's it's only the ignorant folks, uh, only the uh, intellectually unsophisticated that make lots of claims and have no footnotes. Those are the people doing that. And we want to steer clear of that, obviously. And so when I'm watching Pocahontas, I'm like, this, this is terrible. And then it's also getting into paganism and spirit worship. And you look at the Christian ideal of religion and this straw man, terrible, mm. awful kind of thing. But the religion uh, that would lead to really... Cannibalism and all these other is the one uh, that they're uh, probably even, enough. The, that's the beautiful one. Yeah. And Pocahontas is speaking to the spirit trees and it's all beautiful and it's I was great. gonna
1: mention right now, John, that you seem to know Pocahontas way better than me, and I, I am not ashamed of that. Yeah, be
0: careful, <laughs> be careful what movies your kids watch. Yeah. Uh, those those movies are tacitly programming your kids with a different worldview and ethics. So to just be like Let's roll the dice on this next Pixar or DreamWorks or Disney movie. Absolutely not while I do that. I remember watching one of the worst cartoon movies I ever saw. Please don't go support it. Don't go buy it to see what I mean. If you can find it secondhand somewhere, like at Goodwill or something, go ahead and get the movie Smallfoot. Uh, just, it was a terrible. It was, it was not even tacit. It was a flagrant outright attack on uh, any, different, any kind of family structure any belief in a greater power like a God. Uh, And it showed that uh, parents are all stupid and can't be trusted and kids really have to shepherd them along. It was just an outright attack on, um, (laughs) on really, I can't imagine John Lovell watching that show. (laughs) I was, my (laughs) mouth was dropping open at the audacity of what these ideas are just so flagrantly obvious right there. And I, I had a real big problem with some of that. I can't, why can't you just make a cute movie of, like, Up? Up's my favorite cartoon movie. That's a sweet, cute movie. I, lo- I love that movie. John, it's sweet Up. and
1: cute, but, man, that is a hard-hitting... That's, like, as hard-hitting as the movie you are just talking about right now, where the end is, like, tough, yeah. you know?
0: How to Train Your Dragon 1 was great. How to drain your, Train Your Dragon 2 really was upsetting. If the, there, We find out that the main character's mom left him, like faked her own death, left him so that she could go raise pets, dragons. Granted, if I had my own dragon, that would be tempting, too sorry, baby. And the kids, I've got flying dragons that obey my beck and call. And now I've mastered the power of flight and flame. And so I get that there's still a gap in your whole in your heart now, though, because, but you know, at least try to be able to be like, Hey, I got a new dragon pet. Can I bring it home? And we can all be together with the dragons. But she didn't even try that. And so what it is, is like, it just looked like feminism written across as she gets to go out and do whatever makes her happy pursuing career and abandoning family. Uh, and it made it beautiful and okay. And it's not. That's a horror story. Don't you dare point this, wo- paint this woman to be wonderful and beautiful and virtuous and good. She's a monster. She's more of a monster than the dragons. So anyway, I, I-, I want to be able to have those conversations with my kids of like, who is really training our kids and who's leading our own selves is we're engaging in all kinds of poison through what we inhale on social media and also what we're digesting in our streaming services and our shows. Oftentimes we get some really good benefit and it's fun and we get to kind of just click our brains off and we're resting. But oftentimes when we're feet kicked up At our leisure, just enjoying, that's when we're most susceptible to all kinds of poison, which is leading our hearts and minds astray. And not every person out there is really good at uh, keeping radar up, taking every thought captive and be like, whoa, whoa, how is my heart and my mind being led through these beautiful mediums that are lulling my virtue to a quiet death as it's being supplanted by something far more radical and frankly, Uh, beauty or evil wrapped up in beauty. And I'm like, I'm not okay with that. Of course it's attractive. Uh, but man, you gotta be really beware. And so, um, this movie, uh, sorry, we need to return back to the mission. I got off on these tirades, but the, the, the whole big idea is, is our philosophers today uh, don't speak like the philosophers of the past philosophers are really who leads the ideology of our culture. Today, they're billionaires and special interest groups, and they have a philosophy. They're leading through politics. They're leading through big tech. They're leading through the silver screen as well. Uh, They're the ones funding a lot of these big pictures. They own the companies, and they are pirating in their antithetical ideology into this stuff. That's why a lot of these big streaming services and a lot of Hollywood is just going broke and no one's showing up. Now it's propped up with big, big money that cares more about changing the sociological virtue than it does about making profits. And that's why they're continuing to dump money into these losers. It's not about the economics for them. It's about replacing an old virtue with a new new virtue because the new virtue isn't a virtue at all. And you're very easy to enslave and control. That's what it's about. It's
1: all about power. Hey, I got. I gotta ask you then. Like talking about virtue with the mission, was the point of the mission then to rob everything of its virtue?
0: I think overall, with my commentary, I don't mind my kids watching it. Yeah. But without my commentary, without me being able to kind of guide them through of like, all right, here's what we don't like, here's what we do like, yeah. here's something we need to watch out for, and. Anyway, I mean, the movie sounds like it ends in a nihilistic so, point. There is one point where, like, an archbishop uh, looked at the natives and said, "Well, it may have been better that we had never come at all." Um, and I'm like, "Well," uh, and then at the it's end, with, with of the, a holy
1: man, who's saying that archbishop. archbishop that's right. Is, I'm kind of
0: like, "Well, this man should represent uh, that." life on this planet is just a stopping by on your way to eternity, and all that matters on this fallen rock is to make sure you get eternity right. Mm. So how that that's a really, really... Cynical thing for a holy man to be seen right there. Wicked, secular, humanistic thing for a holy man to say, and it just immediately betrays his worldview isn't holy at all. Mm. It's humanistic, and so they wrote him in as humanistic, which I didn't like at all. And then when you see the little kids sailing off by themselves to restart the way that they had been for ages before it kind of answers the question of yeah it would have been better Mm. but of like well if if a lot of those adults who were slaughtered end up going to heaven well none of them would have thought that looking back but we don't get that the movie doesn't get that uh at the end you're just left with what was this kind of stuff though it happens historically ben i want to know would you side with mendoza would you Fend off, protect, you know by strength of arms, uh. this tribe, or would you, Father Gabriel, would you just hold the cross and peacefully protest? Um, you got to choose a team
1: i uh, I almost I wonder I almost think it's impossible for a man to be able to nail down exactly where he's going to be on on these things until he is in that thing, but I would think if I was a man of war in my past, I think that I would bring those skills and hope that the Lord would have sanctified uh the use of deadly force to protect the innocent from certain annihilation mm. and yep. um but the other thing i wonder because just war theory kind of i think of just war theory in this as well because i think that that just war theory would posit that that if if your victory is sure then that then that is a just case for war and yeah. if you if it is a lost cause just war theory would say that it is not a just war. Got it. And so, uh, cause I would, I would put myself also in the just war camp as well. Got it. Um, I hey. believe in just war theory and, and just my top down view of it right now. I think that it would be a struggle for me to fit if the Portuguese uh, uh, assaulting army
0: had me on every level. Right. Yeah. And, and so I don't like how totalitarian that is. It's almost kind of like, the right thing is tied to, you know, only if you could be victorious as well. I, I don't like that. I think even a war you know you can't win and you died doing uh, could be the right and virtuous thing. Braveheart, right behind you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Braveheart. There's William Wallace. He he had right. He was taken out and he he was <laughs> you not know, a just ul- war. <laughs> ultimately, Scotland did win their in- independence from the English. So. He was Correct. just a casualty along the way, so that wouldn't actually be um, something that that argued against him. He'd just be a casualty of yeah. war on their way to victory. But this tribe had no chance; they had zero chance of winning. And so, I immediately want to do what you did, and that's— yeah. Well, where are me, you, John? On here's, this, the yeah. lo- here's the here's the lose lose, and I'm like, well, as a tactician, I can't. I I don't do lose loses. Tacticians don't do that. That that's or strategist, and I'm not a strategist, I'm more a more tactician, but still, regardless, I'd be like, well. You guys already have all the skill sets to make it in the jungle off the land. We can go. We can leave the mission, Mm. and we can go start over, but they wouldn't do that. And so I would put my weight behind, let's get them out, because there's no chance that you're going to be able to beat them by strength of arms. Now, there's two kind of—there's a fork in the road here. Well, you can do the warrior thing, or you can do the martyr thing. It's one of the two. You can do the warrior thing or the martyr thing. Uh, now, the warrior in me wants to be able to, like, hey, uh, protector of the innocent stuff. There's a time for peace, and there's a time for war, says Ecclesiastes 3. That's the right thing to do sometimes when you're confronted with an ideology like ISIS or uh, Hamas. If you have the Third Reich Hitler cooking Jews in ovens or something like nope, you need to stop that. If you have an active killer shooting up a school or a mall— there's one solution to that, and that's violence. And so violence is the uh correct, righteous, virtuous action. That's what I believe God would have me do is as a warrior, stand in the gap and protect innocent life. That's what he'd have me do. Mm-hmm. Um, but these folks, they could have retreated. They and, and yeah. you know, they had homes before they joined the mission. They were invited onto that, and then they built it up infrastructure-wise, but Still, if they're not going to leave, do you leave them to, the, to just die alone or do you protest with them? And so just like you said a moment ago, I don't know. I'd have to have been there. So uh, first off of like, because I wasn't there and I don't understand it well, a few hundred years later, I'll say, I just don't know. But I think I w- would gravitate a little bit more toward the martyr route in this case. Oh, that's I think I would. Um, <sighs> because it's this. It was founded as a Christian mission. That's what it was. It it wasn't its own autonomous uh, government with its own standing army. You weren't there in your capacity as a general or a politician. You came to talk about a supernatural reality that lies against this present darkness. You came to talk about saving souls. And so you're walking the paths that the apostles walked. The apostles could have thousands of years ago. Strengthened their position, picked up swords, uh, and went to fight. But instead, all of them went the martyr's route. So did Jesus, who was a commander of the Lord's army. Jesus could have just laid everything to waste. And instead, he let himself be murdered. He let himself be martyred for his cause. And so it is similar in that. I think about something very close to this is uh, this was more Central America, it may have been South America, but there's the story of the 1900s missionary Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott, uh, a real likable guy who's part of the Cambridge Seven or maybe right under theirs in the early 1900s. And he went to go do missions. They reached a tribe that had never been uh, reached before. Uh, They had a gun. They refused to use it when the tribe came in because he said they were not, their souls were not ready uh, to meet with God. And so they refused that. They took the pacifistic route and every single one of them was killed. And someone could say, aha, see, you should have gone Mendoza's right. You should have fought and protected. I'm like, yeah, but hold on. The story's not over. Elizabeth Elliot, his wife, and some others went back to the tribe. They converted to Christianity, and that whole tribe was dramatically changed from all the terrible stuff that that tribe had been enslaved to. Uh, Just demonic evil was, was what they were. They were thrust into darkness. Uh, And so that entire tribe was delivered. Uh, And and so, yeah, Yeah, they were. uh, It's like, well, which was greater. If, if, If the soldier comes in, maybe you're able to stack some bodies and defend yourself, but no tribe is ever going to be changed forever in a supernatural and unthinkable way so that all of their generations as well have a hope and a future. In this life, and more importantly, the next. And so, in that way, and then all of a sudden, you're looking mm -hmm. in of, well, what is accomplished by the martyrs, not just in a Christian context, but you could think of it in even in, in civil rights, even in a governmental, practical way. Martin Luther King Jr. was killed, he was assassinated, he was murdered, right? And someone would say, well, he should have worn armor, he should have been strapped, and he could have been able to defend himself. I'm like, yeah, but. It's through his personal sacrifice that the civil rights movement uh, opening up could allow equal treatment of blacks in in that day. And so like that was a really big deal. Look at the fruit of this man's sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So don't say one wasn't more effectual Mm -hmm. Uh, of like which which thing, because I don't know the rest of the story, but these Portuguese soldiers that came through and steamrolled this tribe, uh, which one of these responses is going to uh, have a bigger impact on the Portuguese soldiers. Is it the soldiers that fought and lost, or is it the oh, innocents holding yes, a cross well, as you mowed them down?
1: You know, matter of fact, Elizabeth Elliot, I think part of the, her story as well with the tribes, when she goes back, is the tribe members that had executed her husband and friends yeah. felt the guilt of yeah. what they had done. Yep. And it was that guilt you uh, mentioned forgiveness yeah, earlier. Yeah, they converted,
0: on. repented, and became good men.
1: Oh, John, this is such a hard word. They be- because they became good men. Fighting men feel that they can fight their, their way out of everything. Yeah. Um, but that ultimately ends up being a human power. Um, it, God is true, and I believe He is. There yeah. is a greater power. Oh, that's seen but perfectly it, in our weakness. It's an
0: interesting conversation in our day as well because of like, you, I have these two things I have a sword. Uh, you know, I've, I've a gun, I have force, I have violence, and then I have a cross. Uh, I have the martyr. I have the sacrifice. I have the, which one of these paths. And I think one is, it's, well, who are you and what are you called to? Uh, and then it comes down to the nuance of the actual events, which path you're supposed to walk. Uh, but I think warriors would dismiss the martyr route as weak and passive but if you look at the actual fruits that come after each of their sacrifice, because both sacrifices, I see that the, uh, a, a battle may be changed by the soldier, but the world is changed by the martyr. John, can
1: I ask you a question? Is not a soldier who die, or is someone who fights in arms uh, also
0: a martyr? No, uh, no. If 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 the person picks up a sword, now they're a combatant. They're a soldier. Oh, uh-huh. you're dying the soldier's death. Ah, uh-huh. so it's. I have the option of violence and I'm choosing to let you do violence and and kill uh, me. That's a,
1: that's a very interesting Hands distinction. Hands off. So be- that mm. is what
0: makes you a martyr. Because I would uh, have thought
1: that a soldier under the banner of Christ fighting for a cause would
0: still be called a martyr, but I see no, what you're saying. Now you're a soldier for Christ, you're not a martyr for Christ. <sighs> yeah, you can win in battle for the Lord or lose in battle for the Lord, In, in you know, in strength of arms. What arm, a so. curious
1: distinction, because in Islam, of course, their fighters are are called martyrs, you know, so w- w- under their banner of uh, religion. Their fighters are also called martyrs, where in Christendom, you would make a distinction. That is actually very interesting to me.
0: Yeah, and so their sixth pillar of Islam would be holy war. And some Muslims will interpret this more metaphorically. It's an internal struggle against wrongdoing. And others will say, no, kill the infidel and separate his head from his body. And they see one crusade that happened early in the 7th century, and that one crusade is going on to this day all around the world, Uh, and it's against everyone that is not a Muslim. And so the idea is is kill the infidel by any means possible, uh, destroy them, and Allah will be pleased with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh and so that that's the idea. It and it's
1: And there's really no parallel in Christendom for that, uh, is, is what I'm hearing you say then as well. There's really no way for a Christian to claim uh Christianity while spreading the beliefs of Christ with the sword.
0: That uh, I mean well So the sword is not how you spread Christianity, uh, and that's not whatever really spread it. Now, there's some moments in history where that happens, and people who don't really know uh, history would love to just say of like, nope, the church went through and did it. No, no, that's not true. There were moments where this happened. I believe it was Theodosius, and when he became emperor around 380 or so, he would march people into the water at sword point to baptize them. Mm -hmm. There's moments like that. But like, no, Rome went... Christian, because of the beauty of the gospel. What was happening is is they were literally butchering Christians by the tens of thousands under uh, the maniacal rules of guys like Decius and Diocletian and Aurelian and Valerian and Titus and Nero, and holy cow, there's massive amounts of persecutions where they're just butchering Christians like cattle. And what happened is is the Christians died in such epic uh, martyr ways, like they're singing hymns while you skin them a lot, that kind of stuff of like, Ah, uh, pregnant women and little girls are, are are refused to recant even when you torture them and kill them. And so Rome had no compass for that. They are people who subdued the world and they saw something different about the faith of the Christians that they never saw anywhere else. And the, as fast as they killed them, other people would convert, not by force but by beauty. It was force that tried to stop Christianity, uh, but it couldn't, and it just spread like wildfire until Rome itself became converted. Uh, and so. The tact was different. Now it's not. You oh, you can't kill Christianity by force. So what we'll try to do is kill it through corruption, and that would be the story of the next millennia. And that's let's see how the church does with power and money. And that pa- that tact worked uh, much better. This, is, tact deep met- much this better, is deep stuff. Worked much better. This is You would have, but it, but it is incorrect yeah. uh, to say that yeah. Christianity has spread primarily through a sword. No, a sword is how you protect the innocent from death, but that the sword has never been the Christian's evangelical weapon. They're not converting people with a sword. Now, Islam does that, but it's not to convert them. It's like, well, convert or die, you have that option. Uh, but really, they just kill you and then breed you out. That's how the whole Middle East, which was Christian, became Muslim. It wasn't because the beauty of Muslim ideals. is through reproduction and forced conversion. John, to wrap up the main segment, one of the things that I'm thinking about here is that
1: uh, entertainment plays a, a a part of our lives, whether we we want to believe it does or not. And so, what I find interesting is that um, is that you uh, early in today's segment, basically you you bring your boys alongside um, the uh, movies that you're watching and you're providing commentary. And that uh, is an interesting thought to me. Mm. Um, I uh, to have the controller in your hand to be able to pause and then. Um, add uh, profitability by um, the observations that you make yep. along the way. And uh, I am kind of struck by that. And I think that's something that might be useful for, for me and others moving forward.
0: Well, thanks. One is I want to be like, all right, what's the hidden truth here? And what's the sneaky lie? What, what, what are they telling you right here? What's the lie? And so it's almost kind of like a where's Waldo thing so that they're on the hunt for how we're being manipulated and coerced against the truth. And so we're always building this bulwark uh, against antithetical values. And so that's how we're safeguarding our kids. And we're not hiding them from the world. We're preparing them for the world. This is basic training and AIT and jump school and all that stuff up until you launch as as a young man. And so that's just part of it. We don't just, hey, kids, go watch some stuff. I'm like, no, no, no. I want to use it as jumping off points uh, for things, but more and more, it's hard to find entertainment that is actually appropriate mm-hmm. you know, of like some of it's just absolutely inappropriate. We're not going to be like watching poltergeist and be like, oh, <laughs> pause. So right the here, lawnmower <laughs> man, looks pretty scary. <laughs> what, uh, what is good about Chucky? <laughs> you know, what's good. Yeah, good call. There's really quite nothing. Yeah. Nothing terrible. redeeming with it. That's just a doll demon. Should clowns have sharp teeth? No, nobody. They should not. Well, this is a good word because as we launch into the holidays,
1: um, most of us will have more time off and the kids will have um, some weeks of vacation. And so to be mindful of that that's is good. a good thing. Yeah. Cool. All
0: right, guys, we have three Q and ambush questions, so we'll get to those. We also have a hot topic. Um, and so yay for that for those of you who've tuned in on the podcast thanks so much for tuning in check out watchwpsn.com that's watchwpsn.com and uh that's really hard to say fast watchwpsn.com <laughs> we we should rename to something easier no what, don't what would you're you doing re- great you just need to work your mouth a little bit more it's fine how now brown cow guys that's it guys
1: <laughs> I've cutting you off. We're done.
0: Check it out. Uh, you can download the app wherever you download apps. See you next time, guys.